0: journey with
1: mpo podcast a sacred space for healing love and rediscovering your life purpose introducing your host mpo.
0: hello journey with mpo family and friends welcome to episode 50 Can you believe that we have a total of 1,873 minutes worth of episodes? Get this, if you were to listen to the show from the first episode to episode 49, it would take you 31 hours. Is anyone up for the challenge? (laughs) But all of that is just numbers. What I'm truly grateful for are the voices, creatives, teachers, tradesmen, and women who trust the journey with Mpo with their stories. When we started out, the intention was to give myself and guests an opportunity to share an uncensored version of their life stories. To embrace vulnerability as a superpower, and to explore weaknesses in a manner indicative of strengths. We are both humbled and grateful for every single guest who has made this show something truly special. Thank you for confidently and bravely sharing your journey and stories with us. In a world where censorship continues to be a pandemic, we are proud to be custodians for true, uncensored, and powerful life stories. And it would not be a successful podcast without you, the audience who continued to download, share, and respond to episodes. On the days when I felt physically drained and found it challenging to create content, you kept this journey going. Your kindness, words of encouragement, calls, texts, and so much more were the lifeline I never took for granted. I am deeply grateful. Thank you. On a more personal note, I will be taking a break for a few weeks and resume recording episodes so we can start season two with a bang on January 10th, 2021. In the meantime, show our former guests' love and support by re-listening to your favorite episodes, catching up on the ones that you didn't quite listen to, Send the guests love notes and share their stories with friends and family who you think could benefit from them. Hmm. Okay, so let's move on to the next segment of this episode, the reason for why. So I've decided that episode 50 is going to be an up-close and personal experience of me. Recently, I was invited to a women's study class to talk about my podcasting, mental health, and activism journey. The students were asked to listen to the podcast, explore the website, and write questions they would like for me to answer. Guys, when I saw these questions, I was a mixture of emotions. The students had taken the due diligence to research me, my work, and everything possible. They brought up poems and content that I had pretty much forgotten about because I'm constantly in like create, 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 but I never get the time to consume my work so it was nice to go back and reflect on some of the work that i've put out there and i thought what better way to close up the season with an episode that reflects and takes me back to all of the work that i've been doing some of the poetry that i've been writing i told the students i would be sharing some of their questions on this episode but for their safety i won't be mentioning any of their names And as a fun twist, I have invited my willing and loving husband, Michael, to play the role of interviewer. The beauty about these questions is that they are incredibly appropriate, serving as a reflection of some of the season's highlights. So enough babbling, wabbling from me. (laughs) And we'll hand over to my host and beloved love bug for, <laughs> for today.
1: <laughs> Hello, Umpa. Happy to be here today. As you know, my name is Michael and I'll be your interviewer for these questions posed by the class. How are you doing?
0: So serious.
1: <laughs> All right, well, let's get started so I'm not as serious about this. The first question comes from one of the students, and that is, what inspired you to become an activist?
0: So this question was interesting in the sense that I've never thought of myself as an activist. I've always thought of myself as someone who is passionate about topics of activism. So I'm passionate about mental health. I'm passionate about gender-based violence. I'm passionate about Africa, you know, but I've never thought of myself as an activist. And it was surprising that from doing research on me, someone else thought of me as an activist. It's like, wow, I don't know. (laughs) I've never thought of myself as an activist. I just have, I feel very passionate about a lot of things. And my passion may come across as activism. Yeah.
1: Excellent. Thank you for that. Um, Our next question from the same student was, does podcasting help you feel less anxiety?
0: Hmm, it depends. I think I always have the bare minimum of anxiety whenever I podcast. Some episodes bring that anxiety to a higher level. Some episodes keep that anxiety in check. Depending on what I'm doing and how prepared I am. I mean, you saw me now when I was saying this, I was like, Yeah. And I pause and I have to re-record. And so I feel like I'm constantly navigating anxiety. Now, does podcasting help me feel less anxious? Yes. Sometimes no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's fair. Um Standing off of that question, how do you plan out your podcast and what are you going to talk about? How do you figure out what your process is there?
0: A lot of it is spiritual guidance. I flow where my energy wants me to flow. Some episodes sound really dark and heavy because I'm processing emotions that may be dark and heavy. Some episodes sound happy and flowery because I'm processing emotions that are happy and flowery. But it's spiritual guidance. When I started the podcast, it was direction and messaging from my ancestors and guidance system. And so whenever I'm doing something with regards to the podcast, I'm channeling ancestral energy. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to talk about? And so a lot of the episodes sound very different, but also very similar and related to one topic sometimes. I don't have a specific structure. I do know that I write out what is the skeleton and then I go in and try and put as much meat as I can. But for the most part, I allow it to flow as organically and as naturally as it possibly can.
1: Interesting. So your creative process there, is that the same as it would be for when you're writing your poetry?
0: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) My poetry is like a zap. You know, I can go for months, weeks, days, not writing, and then eventually there's like a line like today I was thinking about a poem that I want to write but it's not quite there because I had two or three lines but I may wake up tomorrow and have 20 lines and so I'm like "Ah, I've got to get this out let me put it on paper quickly and I'm like (laughs) racing and everything has to be quiet and I'm sometimes crying and overly emotional when I'm doing it but a lot of what I do is intuitive and spiritually led and um a free flow of where my energy is at that time so yeah
1: so with podcasting we have another question from a different student Um, what motivated you to start the podcast and start getting your voice out there
0: oh my goodness i'd say mental health i started the podcast in May of last year but I started the planning process in April of last year and I was 25 last year and it was the height of my anxiety and depression like I would never felt as sick as I did last year I was not able to get up off the couch I was constantly in circles of like crying and darkness, crying and darkness. And I needed something to help me. And I remember waking up one morning while we were vacationing in Maui and going, I'm going to start a podcast. (laughs) And at the time I'd only listened to a few podcast episodes. I had no idea how to podcast, like my degrees in financial management. And so I was like, Uh, you're gonna start something that has to do with like audio and sound engineering and create how the hell are you gonna do this and the message was just start a podcast um when i started the journey i started to focus on what was going on with me at the time and that was the anxiety and depression and how am i dealing with it and how do i want people who are in similar situations to deal with it and approach it and navigate it. So in a way, I was trying to help myself while still helping a bunch of other people. One of the people who kind of helped me get started on the podcast accompanied me to go buy my microphone. Shelby at the time was struggling with the mental health challenge too. And I figured, you know, this is for all the Shelby's a couple of months later in July of last year Shelby passed and then the podcast became about you've got to get your shit together girl because if you continue to let yourself slide down this black hole you're going to get to a point where you can never come out and you owe it to Shelby and you owe it to yourself and so the podcast became even more important and motivating and inspiration. I started becoming very interested in people's mental health. Like, do you struggle? How do you deal with it? What are some of the signs that you're struggling? Have you talked to other people about it? I became very, very focused on mental health as a challenge needing to be overcome.
1: I'm noticing a trend here from the students and the questions about inspiration and inspiration not just for the podcast but for your poetry. Uh, Are the poems and the podcast episodes inspired by yourself and personal stories or people or both?
0: Oh my goodness. It's a combination of a lot of things. Kim Beemle and I spoke about how I don't have the imagination to make up stories, so the podcast and my poetry is inspired by real life stories, real life people. A poem that they asked me about the students, one of them is um, mental health, mental illness, and that poem was inspired by a gentleman who I met at a store while working, and we started talking about suicide and how suicide has affected the lives of the people we know, and so. Oh, definitely inspired by real-life stories and experiences.
1: What would you say the greatest challenges you faced in creating the podcast and your poetry?
0: I think it's a level of confidence. I'm very um, self-critical and trusting that the work that I'm doing is good enough and doing what I'm hoping and intending for it to do is the greatest challenge. Um, There was a question when I did this interview or I answered these questions in the live Zoom session that asked, have you ever recorded an episode and felt like you wanted to take it down? Heck yeah as a creative, I'm constantly going through the process of saying, "Oh, this is amazing, Oh, this is garbage, you know, and I can go from amazing to garbage really quickly. As I'm creating this, I may feel like this is absolutely amazing, but when I go back and I listen and I tear it to pieces, like Eminem would say in his song, I find that I'm constantly battling the inner critic. And that is a challenge because people listen to these episodes people consume my poetry and they go wow it's amazing I'm like well I'm kind of not the greatest <laughs> you know and sometimes it's not about being the greatest it's about being the best version of yourself and that's where I need to meet myself not in comparison to anyone else but in understanding that I'm living in my fullness and wholeness.
1: We have another question from a different student about mental health and mental health struggles. and They ask, being a strong woman going through some of your loved one's passing due to mental health concerns and issues, uh, how long have you been dealing with it? Mm
0: -hmm. It's an interesting question because A great chunk of dealing with mental health is first confronting your own denial and then confronting the denial of others. So you go through this process where you start to question, is there something really wrong with me? And when you finally do decide, not that there's something wrong with you, but you may need help in certain aspects of your life you go through the process of having to convince the people in your lives and i come from a place where mental health isn't something that we readily talk about or throw over dinner conversations and am like oh yeah i was with my therapist and this is what my therapist said how long have i struggled i started having severe anxiety and panic attacks when i was 18 and when i moved to the united states at 21 it did get worse now i had to wonder whether it was because of being so far away from my family and my friends and the life that i grew up knowing as life and moving into something so very different, being an immigrant and navigating that. But there was a combination of things that happened in my life that just, from 18 to 25, it really started to get rampant and out of control. And I was like, okay, we need to see a therapist. And I never wanted to consider medication. I've always been, one for a holistic approach. So meditate, yoga, exercise, um, anything but having to numb myself from feeling because I believe that in the feeling, we get to truly healing. So when did I start struggling? Knowingly from 18.
1: Interesting. So, dumb tailing off of the the age there, with anxiety. At what age did you get interested in what you call pop, P.A.P. Poetry Africa Podcasting?
0: <laughs> yeah, so P.A.P. is like, a, I talk about it in my bio on the website, but P.A.P. is a South African dish, like a mealy meal starch that I like. I do porridge with it and I have like If I harden it up, it's almost like grits, but not really grits. And I have it with meat and gravy and a salad maybe on the side. And so I figured food, creativity, let's make it pop, you know, it's the same thing. So poetry, I started, I wrote my first poem when I was 10 years old. Africa, when I moved to the United States and became an immigrant, I became really passionate about Africa. This is thanks to all the people who asked all the dumb questions about where Africa is, whether I've had a lion as a pet and zebra versus zebra, those people. Thank you. And then podcasting, obviously podcasting last year. So 25.
1: (laughs) Thank you for that. We have a recurring theme here about questions regarding Eminem Mm -hmm. and Eminem's ability to write songs poetically. Uh, One of the questions is, at age 10, you got inspired by an Eminem song and you wrote a poem about it. Uh, What made you continue writing more poems and what is your favorite Eminem song?
0: What made me continue writing poems? When I wrote my first poem, I was feeling a lot of things and I figured, grab a piece of paper and put these emotions on paper. And that's what kept my poetry going. It was just me experiencing things emotionally and putting them down on paper a form of release um, writing therapy if you will Eminem's I always will say that when you listen to Eminem's music you start to realize that he too struggles or struggled with mental health challenges and he very openly writes and talks about this in his music and that's something that I've always related to. It was a source of hope that you could be this famous, loved and inspirational person and still show that side of you that struggles and is vulnerable and may occasionally need help or may occasionally do dumb shit. Pardon my language. but. My favorite song by Eminem would be Like Toy Soldiers, or Toy Soldiers I believe it's called. Because in the song, he talks about being this inspirational hero, this person that everyone looks up to and how overwhelming that can sometimes be. And the reason I relate to this is because I'm the firstborn in my family and first to graduate college, first to live in a different country. And so I have a lot of firsts that have inspired the kids who are coming behind me, born after me. And sometimes I just feel overwhelmed. I'm like, Pff, man, if you give up now, you know, Muloko may think it's not possible. Can you see they may not think it's possible. So may give up halfway in the tracks you know these are all kids in the family who I absolutely adore and would hate for them to give up on their dreams because they've seen me give up on mine and like Toy Soldiers talks about how the weight of having that on your shoulders can just sometimes be your make or break all
1: thank you for that touching on where you're from and home and family and the difference there. We have another question from a different student, and they were curious about where you grew up, um, how it was when you grew up, and kind of touching on the fact that in some places such as different parts of Asia, for instance, they don't necessarily believe that mental health illness is an issue. Uh, was that the same where you grew up, and did you experience any kind of discrimination or oppression because of that? and or your race, gender, sexuality, those types of things. And how do you integrate that into your podcast and your poetry?
0: So this is the question that made me sob. (laughs) And the reason is when I read and perceived the question, my understanding was that mental health is a stigma and it was interesting to read that in parts of asia there's similarities with parts of south africa because i always grew up feeling like oh god you could never tell anyone that you are depressed or that you are anxious you know my grandmother would discount it to being crazy like there's nothing going on with you just go to church and pray And my mom, as a single parent, was always so stressed out with work and bills. And so her opinion of everything was, how can you be stressed out mentally? Like, you don't have anything to worry about. I got bills and food and other things to get ready for you. And you're well taken care of. So what kind of mental health issues could you possibly have? And so there was never a platform, never like, okay, I'm gonna tell my friends I'm going to therapy. You always had to hide and shy away and pretend like it's not happening. So growing up and where I come from, I truly in the depths of my heart believe that mental health is a stigma and that we are like any other country and any other place learning how to navigate that. What do I do in terms of the podcast? regarding addressing mental health oh my god i'm so passionate about it i'm so excited to go back to south africa and use some of the mental health techniques that i've learned here to embrace my friends and to bring these kind of conversations to the table We can talk about therapy. What has worked in therapy? What don't you like about therapy? What kind of therapists appeal to you? What kind of techniques? What do you do? I'm excited to have these conversations because I think as a country, that's where we'll move forward. That's where we'll deal with the gender-based violence and the alcoholism and the consumerism. When we start to address the mental parts of us that are so affected and seem so insignificant, but are a poisoning significant areas of our lives because we're shoving them away and we're like oh it doesn't exist or oh, it's not real or oh, it's all in your head or oh, don't think about that so yeah <laughs> pretty passionate
1: thank you for that now we've had a lot of questions about mental health um i think we should touch on the poem that spurred a lot of these questions and that's dear mental health and illness
0: mm-hmm. okay i can read that one so Definitely. that everyone kind of remembers or has an opportunity to um, hear the poem, so I can read that one. Here goes. So this poem is written in two voices, one being the me voice and one being the inner, judgmental, critical voice that keeps saying mental health issues don't exist, Just choose to be happy, yadda yadda yadda. So, dear mental illness or health, my name is Mpo. I'm writing this letter to congratulate you tired of the breathing exercises and exhausted from counting things just so calmness can find its way back to me so congratulations this is your award you have finally made it here is the stage collect your award I'm no longer going to hide you in short, punchy lines. The stanzas are not worthy of your celebration, so here is a poem titled after you, each stanza created for your reward. Dear mental health, apparently May is your month an awareness created just for you but everyone still has a hard time embracing you dear mental illnesses they say you're all in the mind that you're a choice apparently we can choose to be happy hence i carry around evidence of dead bodies with your arms wrapped around their minds the year 2000 My maternal grandmother, Mama Chana, was exhausted from taking your feel-good juice, so she lay in hospice, welcoming death like a beloved friend. The year 2013, my friend George suffered a fatal epileptic attack, and weeks before, he had insisted that he met you. He described you as the darkness that stole the sun from out of his heart. The year 2019, my friend Shelby suffocated your grip, so she tried to bleed you out, but your grip tightened until she laid od on the floor of a bar embracing the other side just to escape you. Apparently, you don't exist and we're just attention seekers. Like the guy I once met while working, he had a tattoo with the words, the voices in my head won't pull me under. His name was Chris, a Marine who has seen guns embrace the heads of beloved friends. He says he has witnessed triggers being pulled in a pure attempt to escape you. So Chris and I carry around the evidence of dead bodies with your arms wrapped around their minds. Dear mental illness, are you ill? Is this conversation making you sick to your stomach? Oh, yes. The heart palpitations. Welcome to the club. No, 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 no. You're not going to faint. Wait. Don't reach for the blade. Let's find your friend. Mental health. Mental illness. Stay. Don't run. You have accolades we can discuss. Have some tea. Tell us. How is suicide doing? He has the second leading cause of death among people aged between 10 and 34 breathe. It's going to be okay. The overall suicide rate has increased by 31% since 2001. Relax, you're overreacting. 46% of people who died by suicide had a diagnosed mental health condition. Are you okay? It's all in the mind, remember? 75% of people who die by suicide are male. Mental illness, mental illness, mental illness. See, how dare you encourage us to be quiet and stop imagining things when it often feels like they're well-built hands pushing down on our throats. When I say, I can't breathe, you call it being dramatic. My search for what the people perceive as normal, my journey to restoration is their bewilderment. Dear mental illness, do you know love? How does it feel to stop running from it? Because of you, I have never stayed long enough to let the spire keep me warm. It is better to leave lovers while they still love a sane version of me. Do you have any idea how I have mastered excuses to stay home? The party is healthier without my heavy heart, and I have mastered holding my tongue. Dare land me in the sight ward? Demental illness. My name. Is one you should write off your books. I'm not the one, we're not the ones for your playing field. I am healing and trying to get my name in the mental health books.
1: Thank you for that. That was beautiful and painful in some points as well. That was a, a poem that many of the students had asked about And they wanted to know not just what the poem was about, but does that come from personal experience or mostly from stories you've heard?
0: So the this poem is a combination of personal experience and the stories that I've heard. I write it both in the voices in my head that tell me my mental health challenges don't exist, and the voices of the people who've judged me over the mental health challenges that I've experienced. I write it in the voice of Chris, who I had an extensive conversation with about losing friends to mental health challenges. and. Our conversation was a span of about two hours and it was the inspiration behind this poem because I was like, we've got to figure it out. You know, some people have got to hear this and go, maybe I should stop being judgmental. Maybe I should stop telling people they can choose to be happy. Maybe there are some things that have not been considered when it comes to statistics for suicide. You know, I wanted to hit all those different points and all those different people in this one piece.
1: Poems like that seem to have a significant emotional tie to you and people that you've met or been in your life. Are all of your poems as focused? on emotional ties or is there a different process you use for for poems with a different attitude or cadence to them
0: Uh i feel like this question is asking whether i write about the people in my life and the feelings i feel for those people in my life heck yeah everybody ends up in a poem (laughs) If you are in my life, even if I meet you for two seconds, hey, you're already in my life. You might just end up in a poem. It's like dating a rapper, you know, you might end up in a rap song. (laughs) So That's me though. I know that's not every single poet, that's just me. Well, me and some other poets, (laughs) not just me.
1: Generally, all poets write about people they matter, their own experiences.
0: Yeah, a so. little bit of narcissism.
1: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Would you say you have a goal, and when you're writing a poem, and for each poem, or is it just start out with an idea and just flows from there?
0: Because it's such a energetically driven process where I'm flowing my energy where it wants to go I Seldom have a goal, but when I go back and I think about delivering this to an audience I end up putting a goal in there like what do I want to tell and Usually the goal ends up being I want people to walk away with I never knew that I never thought about it that way and A lot of my poems are driven just by that. That, huh, thank you, I learned something, you know. Did you know that firmicide is a problem in South Africa? Did you know that every three hours women are getting killed? And so, I guess I use my poetry as an emotional resource for information. And sometimes you hear the phrase emotionalness and um, information cannot be combined because information needs to be objective but information can be subjective and experiences can be informational so a combination of both
1: touching on that a little bit a lot of the students asked about another poem viewers called something magical hmm. and it seems to have a connection to some very emotional issues and history. Can you expand on that poem a little bit and your thought process behind it? And then maybe share it with us?
0: Mm, Yeah. Um, Something magical was a poem when it came up in the questions, because so many students had asked about it. I couldn't remember what it was. I was like, what, something magical? Do I have something? What is something magical? And so I had to go scavenger hunting and <laughs> you know, try and find this something magical. And the reason for this is I don't think this poem was meant to be titled something magical. I don't think it's the appropriate title for the poem, but for now it works until we come up with something. You know, a poem's always writing itself or you are writing the poem, whichever it is something magical i wrote shortly before i started reconnecting with my birth father and it talks about how he wasn't necessarily an advocate for my existence well-being and life and how that affected my earlier relationships and dating and perception on men and how there's something about almost dying in the womb that constantly keeps you living on the edge you're like well I'm always going to be older than I should have been you know I'm always going to be here longer than I should have been here or someone else wanted me to be here and there's a intoxicating power and realization to that it's weird it's hard to explain but you just feel like anything's possible you know and if anything's possible then everything is possible and something magical is about that Can i can There is something magical about those of us who escape death before we can even walk or talk. I swear we are magic creatures breathing through the aching of knives placed in our hearts way before we learned love. I am 26 years older than my father ever wished I would be. I am a human ghost, my father's very own grim reaper. They say there are five love languages. I know seven. One, words of affirmation. Two, acts of service. Three, quality time. Four, physical touch. Five, receiving gifts. Six, self-hate. Six, self-hate. Hate, I learned from extending my arms into the sunsets of unreciprocated love. I earned it by running myself dead into the graves of men who had nothing but heartbreak motels for homes. Self-hate, a curse I breathe as a mantra, the taste of inhales with every ohm dragging my soul into endless caves, me a slave searching for love. The exhales exhales run the rivers dry thirst I am thirsty my heart is parched no longer pumping oxygen to the butterflies that once lived in my stomach seven sacrifice sacrifice my mother oh sweet darling mother worships me like the priest does a congregation during offering collection her eyes are a celebration the praises of a choir the gospel of sacrifice was a sermon my mother preached when she chose me in the darkness of her womb during the attack and betrayal of her heart her uterus my only shelter my mother chose me so here i stand With the burden of my father's womanizing tactics, I suffer the tears women shed over his nature. I am the flower watered by the tears of heartbreaks my father caused karma. On the days where I'm karma, make peace with my dharma, my reality. I remember how death, escaped me. How the breaking the broken tried to do to me buried them in personal hells and they thought they could use me to cleanse their unholy, to wash their bodies And me. Little boys trapped in men's bodies thought this temple could lead them to the Holy One. This vulva, this orgasm could be the organic to their filth. There is something magical Those of us who escape death before we can even walk or talk. I swear we are magic. Creatures breathing through the aching of night is placed in our hearts way before we learned.
1: Love. Whew. Ah, that one always gets me. I don't know what to say about that sometimes. It's just there's too much emotion in that poem for it not to be epic, to say the least. Thank you for that.
0: I'm feeling a little rusty. I'm like, ooh, when last did I recite poetry? <laughs>
1: well, the pandemic has been a little bit. Uh,
0: sala, sala. <laughs> yes,
1: I'll, I'll go with that one. Last few questions we have here from the class. A student asks, why is it that you think people judge those with mental illness and think it's their choice
0: i believe there are people who are pretty successful at choosing how they want to feel and taking full charge of that and i think those people can sometimes take for granted how difficult it can be for some people to take full charge of how they feel and what's going on in their lives. I think what these people fail to realize sometimes is that mental health isn't just an internal struggle, it's a combination of internal and external. Sometimes you are doing absolutely okay and something happens on the external that impacts you in a very internal way and you're having to navigate that so i can choose to say okay tomorrow i'm going to be really happy and i'm not going to think about anxiety and i'm not going to you know concern myself with issues that make me anxious One of the things that I've had to realize for myself personally is that news, like news feeds and headlines and articles make me very, very anxious. It makes me worried about the world and where we're going and how safe I am in this world. And so I've had to just turn it off, turn it all off. I don't have any news applications on my phone and on any of the devices. I've had to delete them because of how That external content affects me in an internal way where I'm not able to balance this piece and function in a way that I want to. I think those who do struggle with controlling the internal worlds can definitely look at ways and start to investigate very specific triggers and recognizing how they respond to those triggers and minimizing those triggers. Sometimes it may be specific people, sometimes it may be specific content, but just trying to find ways to set boundaries and not allow those kind of things so easily into your life helps and yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Touching on that subject as well, they asked the same this question: Why do you think that people try to hide the fact that they may have mental illness? Oh man,
0: it's a, it's the judgment. Sometimes the lack of support. You know, I've had instances where I've openly shared about me- my mental health, and people go, "Oh, that's such a shame." we're so sorry and feeling like a victim for someone who struggles with a mental health challenge can be very dehumanizing and I think in some instances where I fail to share what my mental health struggles are or whether I struggle or not has been that fear that people are just going to go, oh, shame. You know, it's like death. Someone dies and people are like, oh, my condolences. I'm so sorry. But there's not really much that they can do to help you. Now, when you share that same experience with people who are struggling, A dialogue for what works what doesn't work starts to open up and we go okay I've tried this okay what do you do about this and those conversations tend to be far more fruitful than situations where people don't really know what to say and they don't want to offend you but then they do end up saying stuff that offends you and then you end up regretting putting them in that position and it's all it goes downhill very quickly
1: (laughs) touching on an issue that may cause some mental stressors and mental illness. Another student asks, why do you think some people blame women rather than blame those that abuse women or are maybe rapists? This is touching a little bit on some of your other poetry. And they ask as well, to dovetail on that is, What do you mean when you say you have to deal with rape culture? Mm. I believe that's a line from one of your poems.
0: Yeah. Why do I think people often blame women in instances of abusive relationships? I think it's a culture of misogyny, you know? certain religions have made women the labeled women the weaker counterparts the homemakers and and have minimized the concept of being a homemaker like oh it's not a big deal you just wash dishes you take care of kids and you do some household chores like how bad could it be or how difficult could it be I think it's always easy to blame the female and it's funny that I'll say this but I think it's because the female is such a strong energy and power that there is a fear of women finally coming into that realization so if you continuously blame them or you continuously turn that victim spotlight on them then you downplay their power they're like well i'm not too strong well i should have walked away from this relationship when i should have you know i had a lot of opportunity and all those thoughts and feelings work on demoralizing and killing the strength of the woman. Like, what what does society do with anything that is strong? They continuously point at the weaknesses until it disappears into its own weaknesses. And I think that's the same reason why in abusive relationships, people always blame the woman. They're like, okay, well, she could've left, yadda yah. you know, I get sick and tired of hearing those stories sometimes, could've left strangle someone with they say that. Well, <laughs> not exactly, I, I just, I don't take kind to victim blaming. I am a survivor of domestic abuse and violence and I have witnessed my own family members and friends go through the same thing. And the last thing we want to hear is, Oh, but you could have left. Oh, but you were in control. Because you don't know someone's situation. There are plenty of women who have tried to leave and gotten killed for leaving. So you don't get to sit in your high makamaka maka chair and make calls like that and speak on situations that aren't yours to speak on or yours to judge. Even as a survivor, I have no right to speak for someone else's story. Because yes, even though I may have gone through very specific issues, I have still not gone through what this person is going through. And so I can talk about my experiences very carefreely, but I cannot talk about someone else's experience. Who's
1: that? (laughs) That's a lot. That was a lot. I understand. Take a deep breath on that one. (laughs) Let's uh, let's end in more of a cheery note here. Mm -hmm. We'll, We'll talk a little bit more about you. And your journey, Mm -hmm. you know, the the podcast is Journey with Mm Mumpo. What brought Mumpo to Hawaii, and why?
0: Oh man, sometimes it's so easy to say that I wanted to be an au pair and I jumped on the au pair program and came to Hawaii for that, but. When I was nine years old, I watched the movie Lilo and Stitch and totally loved Hawaii from then. I was like, you know what? When I grow up, I just want to live in Hawaii. And that was it. <laughs> you know, it was never specific, never thought about it again, put it in the back of my head. And now I finally live in Hawaii. And I'm like, man, had I known how far Hawaii is from South Africa, I would have probably not made that wish, but <laughs> both my desire to be in Hawaii, my guidance system mm. for my healing journey and my destiny brought me to Hawaii. What keeps me in Hawaii? Well, in this cute little hunk right here. Yeah, Hawaii. <laughs> if anything, I'll just pack him up and go. <laughs>
1: On this journey with you. Yeah. Every day.
0: Yeah. Well, not cute little hunk, maybe cute big hunk.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that.
0: Uh, yeah, yaddy yeah, yaddy yeah. He's blushing.
1: <laughs> it's just hot in here. I'm not blushing, I swear. God. <laughs> We've gone through some great questions and really appreciate everything the students have said here. It's been enlightening. It's been heartwarming. It's been a little hard to deal with sometimes, but all really good questions. I'm gonna end on some positive energy for the, the students and anyone else listening, and that was what would some advice be that you would give to anyone struggling with anxiety, depression, panic attacks, or any other mental health issue on a daily basis?
0: Just breathe. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds so silly and so mundane, but breathe. Like in the moments where I'm having my panic attacks and my anxiety is really high up and I just cannot get out of my head, I forget to breathe. I forget to just look around and take in my surroundings and recognize how blessed I am So I guess my first step is to breathe. My second step is to count all of the things and people that so dearly love me. You know, I think about my mom, you, my sister, my grandmother, and my friends. And I I say those people's names and I'm like, breathe. You know, Funtagazo, breathe, fogogo, breathe. For My Puppies in Heaven, Aurora, Sachias, breathe. There, there's a lot that weighs down in a moment of anxiety. And when I really, really struggle, then I breathe for all the people who decided to give up. You know, I'm breathing for Shelby. I'm breathing for George. Because if I stop breathing, then I too have lost the fight that they were struggling with. And so, take it easy. Breathe. You are loved. And there may not be a lot of people or things that give you hope and make you feel loved. But at the end of the day, you are loved. And this is what this podcast is here for. It's to remind the shelby's the georges of this world there is someone that hey i may look like this extroverted cool kicking (laughs) kicking in and inspiring person but i struggle too and we're all in this together and we'll get through it together there'll be some hard days But man, are there so many beautiful days where your breath is full and you are excited and your life is everything that you have wished for. And so when you can get past those bad five minutes, because all it really is, like an anxiety attack never lasts an entire day. It just lasts about five minutes. If you can get through that five minutes, promise you, it gets better. Your favorite song will come on the radio. You'll find things that you love, people that you love. And as you focus and gravitate toward where the love is, it continues to grow into every single aspect of your life and your entire being. And, you know, just hold your own hand. Sometimes I take my hand and I put it on my heart and I realize the greatest blessing is to be alive, to be here. And so, yes, I may struggle, but I'm still here.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate everyone listening today. It's been a journey with Mpo, (laughs) to say the least. We really appreciate the students who offer these questions to us today as well. It was excellent to see people's concern and thirst for knowledge about topics that aren't discussed often enough. So thank you so much to the students who provided these and thank you so much for the platform. Mm
0: -hmm. And I am in such a good place, guys. I know this must have been like, you know, an emotional episode, but I am in a good place and my health continues to improve in ways that I hadn't imagined were possible. So, while I'm away, taking this break, I want you guys to take care of yourselves and to continue doing the things that you love and that make you feel really great, I will have some time on my hands so if you'd love to reach out, send me some love notes, send me Christmas notes via email. Um, The email address is journeywithumpo at gmail.com and all of this will be in the episode notes. If you absolutely love this show and you're like, listen, I don't want to just share and comment on your content on social media but i want to become part of your family and the work that you are doing become a patreon member through our patreon page that is how you can financially support us there's slots for ten dollars fifteen dollars and twenty dollars a month michael's raising his hands (laughs) you know so Engage with us in that way that money goes towards feeding the guests before they come onto the show, some running around money for the podcast equipment and stuff that we get done, advertising and so forth. So, please, if you do subscribe, become a Patreon. We'd love to have you on our Patreon family membership. And there's some perks and benefits to being part of that too. Um, personal connections with me too (laughs) and follow us on social media i've changed the journey with umpo instagram page to a private smaller circle less about clout and more about friendship and family which is truly what this podcast is about but I will be on social media and I will be back with a big bang. I continue to record episodes in the background while we wait for that January 10th for season two which I hope will be absolutely amazing and that we will meet some more phenomenal fun and inspirational guests. But until then, like I always say guys, Maholokwe, <laughs> Aloha, so much love. Aloha, guys.